The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willette. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience. I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi, everybody. How you doing? Thanks for coming back to another episode of the Piercing Wizard Podcast. This week's guest is Helen Houghton from Holier Than Thou in Manchester, UK. Uh, Helen is uh, a contributor for the UK APP conference, instructed a class this year called Lumps, Bumps, and Beyond. So a good amount of the conversation is talking about troubleshooting. It's kind of one of my favorite subjects to talk to, to other piercers about because uh, I can share those little obscure situations that uh, you know I might have learned something about, oh, this common problem has this common solution. And I really love to get that information from other piercers too. I think a lot of the, um, the, the logic that I see with piercers and their troubleshooting tells me a lot about where they are in their career. And some of those piercers who have been at it for a while they've really developed that logic where they can kind of say, this is a problem and and we can trace it all the way back to its roots and then we can give people common sense information to explain, hey, this is how you prevent this problem from happening in the future, but this is also what we can do to um, solve or alleviate that problem today. So uh, our conversation is a a lot of troubleshooting information. We talk about different uh, tricks and tips for kind of explaining what the issue is and helping people um, develop their, their, their patience to resolve these problems without expecting it to be an over overnight solution. You know, no miracle cure chemical that you can just drop on it and then you'll wake up tomorrow and it'll be fine. Explaining to them, you know, this requires care and, and maintenance, maybe some, some multiple downsizes or multiple visits. Uh, so it, it's a good conversation. Some of the, the tricks we talk about, too, is really just explaining the importance of downsizing to clients and some of the different ways that we do that, um, utilizing the client's phone for documentation and uh, the way that we, we go through our aftercare speeches and, and routines, and then also the kind of customer care that, that we give people after the fact. Um, you know, just coming out of this this COVID year where a lot of our uh, troubleshooting and a lot of our customer care had to be internet-based, explaining things that they might be able to do or or maybe not be able to do from from home by themselves so it's a really good conversation Uh, holier than thou is one of those studios that will come up in a lot of different conversations when i'm talking to uk piercers Uh, helen is a very experienced piercer and uh, has that mentality of you, you can build your reputation you can build your business through community rather than being adversarial uh, rather than trying to hold it over someone's head and, and be like, oh, you know, I have this information that you don't have and, you know, you have to send your clients to, to me to give me money. It, it's really more of like an, an open door kind of a thing. Like, let's talk about it. Let's explain that information that I might have access to or um, these different experiences that I've had you know, to, to strengthen you and to strengthen your career. And yeah, let's have that open doorway for send your clients to me. I'll send uh, clients to you and, and we can we can talk about how we can actually just service the client better and then how we can all prosper from that. So it's a great conversation with Helen Houghton from Holier Than Thou. So we'll get into that in just a minute. For some uh, Patreon news for me uh, today, as this uh, this episode publishes live, I've also put up, well, hopefully, I've also put up a new narrated and subtitled piercing video for you at patreon.com slash ryanpba. My last video was about how to do uh, a chamfer and blade style surface piercing. Got a lot of great feedback on that, and, uh, you know, I'm just trying to work it out, trying to make each video a little bit better, a little bit stronger. I've taken some of your feedback and I've spent a lot of time doing basically homework, learning how to use my my editing program a little bit better. So uh, I'm happy to say that as of today, I've got a new video all about bridge piercings at uh, patreon.com slash ryanpba on the $15 Archmage tier. And uh, I, I narrate all the different aspects of it. I narrate how I mark them, um, how I select uh, the the body location, you know, ideal placement for a bridge piercing, my opinion of it, different jewelry that I use, what's my preference for jewelry, what's my preference for prepping the skin, and then um, a full video of how I'm performing it. So uh, freehand method, modified needle, 
you know, bevel theory, freehand kind of method, if that's how you'd, you'd rather think about it. And uh, it's fully narrated with a, a, an instructor overlay. Uh, and then I've also got it fully subtitled. So again, I'm, I'm trying to do that for all of my shorter videos now for accessibility. So if English isn't your first language, I'm going to try to put subtitles up there. You know, if you're hard of hearing, I'm going to try to have those subtitles up there just to make the video content a little bit more accessible to you. Uh, but I, I'm working on some new stuff to give you a little bit of uh, a preview as to what's coming up in November on Patreon. So I've got one uh, in the works on a floating navel, uh, and that'll be, again, the, the full marking process. Uh, preparation and piercing, and uh, I've got one about uh, doth piercings, date piercings. That one I'm working out for uh, a Polish piercing conference. Uh, I'm doing a remote class in mid-November, so they'll have a little bit of an exclusivity window. Um, but then after that, it's going to end up on Patreon for you. So again, these will be fully narrated, fully subtitled, talking about my, my theory, my, my thought process, my logic that goes into how I perform these piercings. So uh, feel free to check those out. I would love it if you did. Patreon.com slash RyanPBA on the $15 a month tier. For now, let's go ahead and get into this interview with Helen Houghton from Holier Than Thou, Manchester, UK. And then after that, I'm going to talk a, a little bit about some future seminar plans and uh, mention some stuff that the APP has going on. So stick around. Um, so go ahead and start off by just introducing yourself, say any studio information you want, any social media, website information, and then we can get into it. Okay, really nice. I'm Helen Houghton from Holy Than Now in Manchester, UK. Um, it's Holy Than Now Manchester on Instagram. Uh, we've been operating since 2005. Um, I actually bought the business from somebody else in 2013. I was in a very lucky position to, to be able to do that, and it is built from there. So. Great. Um, I, I like talking to, to piercers who kind of have that experience of they've worked in a shop and then they, they know how the shop runs and then they kind of take it over because mm -hmm. it seems like you're just kind of primed for success because I think a lot of piercers when they when they start a shop from scratch, especially if they're young in their career, um, the first like two or three years is just like you're trying not to trip over shock. your own feet. <laughs> yeah, and you're like you're having to learn so much stuff on the fly. So you're really in a great position if you if you have that kind of opportunity, which is pretty rare. Yeah, these very days much especially. So. I was I was really really lucky to be able to do it. To be honest, yeah. Um, I didn't sort of trust the financials, I suppose, at the start. So I was I've done a bit of everything over my uh, over my career, and I was I've been very lucky to do various other sort of management things, or um, actually worked in asbestos consultancy and that stuff in the past. Uh, but doing that whilst also learning to pierce and learning various other medical things. Mm -hmm. and, um, my degree was environmental science and then I majored in anatomy and all this mad stuff. So it was really lucky to be able to have all of these different influences to, yeah. okay, now you're a business owner. How's this going to work? Yeah. Um, well, it's a lot of like, maybe not directly, but somehow transferable information, I think. Yeah, very yeah. transferable skills. Like, yeah. No knowledge is wasted knowledge. And I'm so grateful for learning my time management at university and then mm -hmm. managing staff in Ticketmaster of all places. Yeah. Um, and learning how not to run a business and very much how I didn't want sort of people who work with me and my colleagues to feel and like you're a number or you're replaceable and mm. really value what makes you strong as an individual person and how incredibly valuable that can be to whatever you can apply it to in that business. Yeah. Um, I learned that from how I didn't want to to be mm -hmm. from uh, from Ticketmaster, for example, but yeah. very grateful for that opportunity. Well, you can kind of, um, the, the lessons of like what you don't want your business to be are mm -hmm. some of the, the hardest to learn and, and most valuable lessons because if you can retain staff and keep them happy, that's really how a shop thrives. Yeah. I know a lot of other piercers out there who have gone off to open their own studio just because they've hated working in the studio that they're in. I think if you can keep staff happy, they want to be part of the team and not necessarily be like, all right, screw this, I'm going to go off and start my own team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But also, I think it's really important that you've got to understand the value of the industry as a whole as well. And I've said this to every one of my staff members, if you like you just incredible people if you want to operate your own studio don't ever feel like you need to hide things keep things mm -hmm. and you know try and do it quietly behind anyone's back like I will support you and help you in any way I can do that yeah if that was going to be your dream too like mm -hmm. ultimately we're friends first yeah and I don't see that as a competition mm -hmm. threat or, or anything like that industry in the UK has gone through the roof because we're all helping each other and educating each other yeah and if someone's come from Liverpool I'll recommend a studio there or I don't feel that you need to sort of retain your client at all costs mm. it's actually do what's best for that person and that's just a positive feedback cycle to good business yeah um, I, i've heard so many people um you know reference you if not directly by name they just <laughs> kind of refer to you as like oh yeah you know i'll send them to manchester to get it and i'll, I'll do that <laughs> and it's like it's nice that there's that sense of community where it's not like 
I'm the only person in the country that can do a piercing. I'm never going to tell them that another shop exists. It's nice that you can have that honesty of being like, well, that's not really something I'm experienced with. Why don't you go to see Helen or go to see Lola or go to see whoever? Mm. It's it's nice that that exists. Yeah, very much so. So Nikki's come down from Edinburgh today, for example, who, Bold and Gold. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just uh, making up a new studio and I'm so excited for her. And she's talking about wanting to get a few people up there to just talk about various bits just as a nice sort of opening and it's just an exciting thing to do with one another learn from one another mm-hmm. and it, it all just feeds back positively to, to everyone's business and yeah. it's it's amazing and it couldn't be more different sort of the tattoo world in the uk it's right. amazing that how sort of catch up guys yeah it's, uh, yeah that yeah that's a good thing i see a lot of people kind of like putting out their hand to help someone up instead of just being like it's all mine get away <laughs> yeah yeah uh it, it's it's a nice um it's a nice conference for that and this year feels I mean, it's got the spirit of other UK APP conferences. It feels a little bit smaller. It feels a little bit less chaotic because it's a smaller space, smaller group and all that stuff. But there's still a lot of really good information, a lot of like nice conversations going on. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like it's clicks and like kind of people being adversarial with each other. It's nice. Hugely. There's lots of really new people here as well, which mm. is like sort of people who have perhaps something in, in the industry for very long. And it's lovely that they feel confident enough to come and do this. Yeah. Um, I think the ticket numbers being so low this year because of COVID definitely hasn't negatively affected anything at all. Mm. Um, y- you don't really know how this kind of thing is going to go until you experience it. Right. And it's been lovely. Uh, everyone's been really understanding of each other and helpful if someone people have known things or not been too sure about things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certainly been no... Um, clicks as you say or yeah. or anyone saying no you can't no you can't possibly understand this mm-hmm. or yeah it's it's been it's been a lovely conference actually it's um totally different but no negativity in any way shape or form. yeah yeah i i think um if you try to be more of like a, a gatekeeper kind of thing i i know that the app conference has a lot of positive points but you know any any group that's that large is also going to have some negative points and sometimes you get kind of that gatekeeper mentality of like i'll tell you but only so much until Mm. like i feel like you're kind of worth giving you all the information (laughs) but here it's just like what do you want to talk about i'll I'll, I'll tell you anything that i know you tell me anything you know and it's just it's very communal yeah do with this as you will it's um it's quite nice to be if you give a talk to be sort of confident enough to be like look okay some people have said this in the past perhaps that there may be some controversial topics involved here this is my opinion on it Mm -hmm. and actually being confident enough to put that forward and maybe so don't get me wrong i'll I'll back that up with like x experience or y paper Mm -hmm. um but it's, it's nice to feel confident that you can do that and not fear that you might get sort of torn down for that. Mm-hmm. And the whole concept of like, there's more than one correct way to do it. 100%, yeah, hugely. There was very much a um, sort of concept if you're gonna learn from a mentor in this sort of the, the old school way of doing things was like, there is only one way to perform this piercing, for mm-hmm. example. And uh, you're, if you teach your apprentice, only this way works. That's very much not how I've wanted to be and in the same way of sort of talking about different types of blade needles or cannula needles um i'm very comfortable for an apprentice to what i'm, I'm very lucky that there's there's five piercers at my studio wow. so um I, my apprentice will be uh, i'm very much encouraged to spend time with each of us because all of us do things differently mm-hmm. and you know what if she wants to come forward and pick a different way to do it to all of us that's yeah. fine as long as it's safe yeah and as long as the end result is is ideal mm-hmm. then why on earth can't you form your own ways of doing things yeah. um, that's the same way that i teach piercers in my studio I say I'm going to show you all the different methods that I've learned over a career I'll show you what I'm what I'm doing today which I feel is the best that I can offer today but I'll also show you what I did last year or five years ago or whatever and then I want you to reach out and talk with other piercers and get their methodology and see what makes the most sense for you see what gives you the best results like you don't have to be like a carbon copy of the person that mentored you for sure. I think yeah. there's a big ego um, thing involved with that that was always a previous issue perhaps right. in the industry. That you just, have to do it my way or don't yeah. work here. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. And I just, I never understood that, that mm-hmm. mentality or way of thinking. So yeah. it's, it's nice. So as far as this conference goes, um, I saw that you were teaching uh, Lumps, Bumps and Beyond. Is that the name of your class? Yeah. Sure. Were you teaching anything else this year? Uh, nope, just that, just twice though this year, just because okay. it's usually oversubscribed just with COVID. So it's, I kind of like the, the multiple do. sessions thing yeah. too. Yeah, it kind of like... Tomorrow's class is going to be better. <laughs> primes, yeah, <laughs> exactly. like I feel the same way. I did I did a new class on skin preparation and draping and the first offering, that was the first time I had ever taught that class. So mm-hmm. a couple of like stumbles and, and missteps along the way. And then today it just felt smooth and fun and I got to kind mm-hmm. of like 
take the questions from the first session and make the second session better. So I, I kind of like that. Yeah, I do very much so. It's amazing how much you can learn or realize that actually you may have taken a class in the past years ago. I did um, a class by Steve Howard's um, Surface to Surface Piercing at BMX. God, I must be going about five or six years. And I remember being gobsmacked that surface piercings need a downsize. How did I not know this? Mm. Um, and but actually today to discuss it with someone who was in my class because we were talking about tissue barreling over improper jewelry being used. Mm -hmm. But this person came up to me at the end with a perfect surface piercing that needed a downsize, and yeah. they just didn't know. And I'm like, right. I haven't mentioned that in my class. Mm -hmm. Guess what tomorrow's class is going to involve? Right. And it's lovely to be able to learn and realise that you there's just so much more that you can offer every single time. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great, it's, it's an important topic because there's a lot of misinformation, especially all, all over the internet. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I've got, a, I've got a bump on my piercing. It's definitely infected. It's definitely a keloid. My hair's going to fall off. Right. Yeah. Um, Put tea tree oil on. Yeah, that'll yeah. fix it. Yeah. What's the worst that could happen? Uh, so it's quite nice to be able to go through all that with, uh, with other piercers and brainstorm mm -hmm. and things that we may do in this country may be very different to other countries. There's some controversial things in there. So um, mm -hmm. I love chamomile. I'm a mass, massive advocate for it. Oh, maybe uh, put my neck on the chopping block there. <laughs> But um, yeah, it's if you've not got, I've genuinely hand on my heart, I have more clients allergic to titanium. Yeah, it's uh, and we just we've had a great result from it, but that's mm. just from years and years of experience and the same advice being given to over a third of a million people for over however long. Between that's just between me and myself and Nikia Blue Lotus. Mm -hmm. It's uh, so it's it's nice to put that forward, but also be like, hey, if anyone can come to me with another idea or if you've got a bump I've not seen before, please send me a picture of that. I'm yeah. interested. Yeah. This subject is really interesting because when it comes to troubleshooting, on one hand, you do have some formulas that are like, well, this is a common issue and this is a common resolution. But then you have all these other factors that go in there where it's like, well, it might seem like it's this issue, but it, it, you know, you have this factor you might not have thought of. You have this factor you might not have thought of. And you have to kind of build up this almost like encyclopedia in your mind. Um, the, the horrible pun that I call it is Sherlock Holes, where you have to kind of like figure out what the source of the problem is and then like figure out how to resolve it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Troubleshooting is, um, it's not a one size fits all for everything. It's kind of that 3D jigsaw puzzle of like all of these other different variables that could be could be involved. Yeah. And at first you'll see something like, oh my God, that's a horrendous allergic reaction. Um, God, as if this this person might be allergic to titanium. Oh wait, it was done here. It must be, you know, it's implant grade. I know it's good quality. Like how has this happened? And then you realize, hang on, what are you using on this mm -hmm. to clean it? Mm -hmm. So, oh, exactly what you told me. Okay, just talk me through your aftercare. Right, I just pour isopropyl alcohol on it. Oh God, that's not what we told you. But it's before you you know you jump to any kind of conclusions. It's just really lovely to be open-minded and have a chat with your client and um, and kind of come up with some solution. Yeah. So what are some of like the you know as, as much or as little information as you'd like to give? But like what are some of the the main points that you try to like have people knowing when they when they leave a class like that? Um, sort of the most common things, I suppose, is the the first one to come across. So, um, if you have a, if you've got a lump and bumper in a piercing, nine times out of ten, it's going to be just down to irritation. Mm -hmm. And then it's what's caused that irritation. Was it how um, sort of how the piercing was uh, produced in the initial sense? Is it something that they're doing in terms of aftercare? Um, did they miss a downsize window? Why do I need to downsize this? Understanding why the bump happens initially. Mm -hmm. um, has that bump progressed beyond irritation? Is it now actually a hypertrophic scar? Was it not treated in time? In which case, treatment for a, a normal irritation bump may not be appropriate. Um, and why is that happening? Well, at yeah. what point do you involve a doctor? If you are going to involve a doctor, perhaps give them a bit of a, a disclaimer or a caveat involved with this. Maybe not all doctors are open-minded to sure. body modification in any of its... I find that a lot of body like uh, a lot of doctors rather and nurses healthcare professionals um, they never nobody shows up to a hospital and says like look at how beautiful my perfectly healed piercing is they show up with like oh why is this horribly swollen or, or these problems so they see the worst of the worst examples of body piercing so that's why a lot of times they're just like eh, they're all infections let's just prescribe antibiotics don't ever get a piercing again let's take it out blah 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 you've done this to yourself right yeah this is your fault kind of a thing <laughs> Um, so yeah, sometimes you have to kind of like find that sweet spot of like not telling someone to disregard medical information, but trying to give them maybe a little bit more information so they can kind of think about it with more logic. Yeah, it's difficult to advise a client to effectively educate their doctor, which may need to be the case. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's kind of scary to assume that a healthcare professional isn't going to have your best interests at heart, but maybe they just haven't considered maybe the, because at the end of the day, if you're going to remove a piercing, it's going to heal faster. And that's what a doctor ultimately wants to resolve the problem. Mm -hmm. um, but consider the long-term effects of that. If that person would then at a later date, get it re-pierced, 
you've got scar tissue and other concerns and the fact that it's previously been infected has it been infected at all mm -hmm. maybe a better solution might actually be to leave the piercing in place allow it to drain and just prescribe some antibiotics yeah. if a customer can politely put that to a doctor perhaps you may have educated that guy just the littlest bit mm -hmm. and you know you might be doing a positive feedback cycle in the long run yeah um, and it's nice just to have that discussion with your client and um, yeah greater good and all that what are some of the more common problems that that you're having to troubleshoot I, I would say that the most common things that I was dealing with before COVID was people just getting makeup all over their facial piercings and being like why do I have this horrible bump on my nostril mm -hmm. piercing that I'm trying to hide with foundation and now, since COVID, I would say that my most common problems are usually related to ears, conch piercings, earlobe mm -hmm. piercings, where you know an ear loop on a face mask has been pressing or hooking or snagging or causing some sort of problem. So what's some of the more common stuff you're having to deal with? Yeah, definitely. We're finding that we're having to use longer bars initially for nostril piercings, for example. We, we are now performing nostril piercings. Um, obviously, these things change with COVID sure. and what have you. But yeah, it's interesting. Just that one extra millimeter on a bar just resolves an awful lot of problems mm -hmm. um, and being incredibly clear with people about downsizes. But yeah, we're hardly ever seeing issues around nostrils now aside from that because people aren't really bothering to wear foundation because they're wearing masks. Mm -hmm. um, a lot more issues with conch piercings. We're being very careful with forward helixes in general because it's very difficult to get a mask to sit there and yeah. talking about mask savers. And you know, like when it's like crushing someone's ear down and compressing yeah. it, it's like how do you expect to be able to heal something? Something well with with those kinds of conditions absolutely yeah it's been quite interesting seeing people who have had forward helix piercings that were perhaps healed or very nearly healed that were getting a bit grumpy who uh, people who have had it twice now people actually bought a dodgy ring off the internet during lockdown and put it in their forward helix because mm. they kept catching the bar on the mask yeah and of course the thing settled down <laughs> mm -hmm. so things that we normally wouldn't ever recommend um, because you know excess mechanical movement and more problems actually just because of this particular instance they got lucky call it what you will but yeah. um, it's actually found a benefit it has just been interesting the difference that we've seen mm -hmm. um, a lot more people are trying to stretch their lobes at the moment we've noticed I don't know if it's something something to do because during lockdown they've not been able yeah. to modify they themselves. can do it themselves at home yeah, yeah. Um, and there have been some complications for that but also it's been lovely to have discussions with people like what's the best way to start doing this uh, I've seen online you can use tapers and um, should I buy this horrendous acrylic thing with a you know coloured silicon mm. o-ring and what's what's the worst that could happen? Uh, we've had some really interesting discussions with people on that and discussions that we've not really had for ages. We've we very rarely previously would talk about stretching earlobes or um, you know if someone would come into the studio to have a stretch performed or which again we don't really recommend. We'd recommend stretching naturally with glass. Mm -hmm. But again, to have these conversations are really um, really interesting things and to troubleshoot um, new issues or um, just as you say, it's primarily things like conch piercings or people missing downsize windows because of lockdowns. Yeah, um, Lola mentioned that quite a bit where it was like these these little tiny everyday things that sometimes you wouldn't even think about as a piercer. It's like, oh yeah, you know, somebody needs a, a longer, shorter post, whatever they need. They need a, an attachment, they lost the thing. These are just like commonplace things where you can like, oh yeah, I've got five minutes, no problem, pop in. Now it's a whole different world where mm. maybe it's appointment only, maybe it was, you know, during lockdown where there's, there is no option other than, well, I can post it to you or maybe you can do curbside pickup if you're lucky. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, how are you dealing with stuff like that when it's more like the client has to resolve the issue themselves at home. Yeah, it's been a challenge as well, especially getting people to fit their own jewellery. So mm. um, thankfully we've not had really much many cases where people needed an upsize because yeah. commonly that would only really happen if someone had a really big, because obviously as, as piercers we all want to put the correct or best guess length of jewellery for an initial piercing to allow it to have a good swell but mm. nothing more than that. Right. Um, so commonly the only time someone would need an upsize is if either perhaps we didn't guesstimate it just perfectly or this had a good knock or a bump. When people were just locked down at home, they wouldn't really find the need to upsize particularly often. So we've yeah. been pretty lucky in that respect. Um, but downsizes has definitely been something we're always harping on about to make sure that everything settles down and heals naturally and happily. Mm. Um, but we've been sort of sending out, do we send out tapers with people? Is it ethical to effectively send out a, a, a tool, tool yeah. alongside things? Uh, explaining how to do it, explaining cross-contamination to somebody. Mm -hmm. What do you do if you drop these teeny tiny, very expensive pieces of jewelry maybe? Or break so, a pin. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what we've been tending to do if it's been threadless is to adjust it for people with a very clear description mm -hmm. <laughs> of, uh, of how to fit your threadless jewelry. And if it's gold, if it's with gold with a gold pin that of course doesn't perhaps have the, the memory that a titanium piece would have. So only fit it once, don't constantly take it in and out, otherwise mm -hmm. you're going to lessen the bend on your pin. Then you'll have to bend it yourself, maybe you're going to break it. And yeah. All these things that you've just previously never had to think about get some lubricant do you have sterile lubricant how are you mm. what you're going to do if you drop it so recommending things like people fit something over the sink with water in it so it doesn't ping 
off to oblivion if you should happen to drop it. Yeah. Um, I, I tell just, people like either plug the sink or put a towel in your sink. So yeah. if, if something falls, you're not losing this $300 piece down the drain. Yeah, exactly. Or just put water in there. We find just it's quite good because it just sinks right to the bottom rather mm-hmm. than pinging off to oblivion. But yeah. all things we've just never had to think about before, and uh, it's been it's been fun. We've had some really understanding clients. They've been really really kind, really lovely. The people have supported us all through mm-hmm. lockdown. Some people have started air projects throughout lockdown. So we've curated with people online. So get them excited about things rather than buying the two ninety nine self piercing thing yeah. off wish that just makes you want to die inside. Right. It's uh it's been nice. I had a conversation with a few piercers um, down at the bar, I think it was last night, where they were saying, oh, you know, we're about to head into our slow season. And I was like, well, you know, use the slow season. They were saying that they wanted to get more into styling, curation, whatever kind of terms you want to use. And I was like, well, just book in long consultations. If you're going to have a, a, an eight-hour shift where almost nobody's going to be coming through the door, book some people in and just have a conversation, even if it doesn't result in the sale, you know, talk to the people and kind of practice that part of your your pitch, you know? Get excited about it. Yeah, and then when when they want to get pierced, then they have all these ideas in their head. Yeah, and it's nice because we've already got this experience, if you like, through lockdown. We We know how to converse with people um, perhaps not not necessarily going to be a sale, as you mm. say. It's, it's a nice thing to do for people. And what else can you do? Can you build a website? Can you build your online store? Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing how you can use these newly transferable skills to still benefit your business, even if it's not an immediate monetary thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice to do for customers. It's nice to do for your business. And it gives you that kind of step forward ready for the next busy season. And actually, yeah. if it's going to be a quiet time, think about why that might be. Is it quite right the second? Or we've got Christmas coming up. Why don't we promote certain sales? for get excited for maybe getting somebody a Christmas present if that's the case or jewelry manufacturer takes time yeah. yeah so let's book things in do sure. you want to order something exciting in time for Christmas in which case get your order in now mm-hmm. it's um yeah it's just totally oh, changed that, that whole concept of get I, I remember maybe five years ago you know not super long ago um, it, it was like I would post maybe somewhere around mid-November Christmas is coming up get your orders in now it's like you have to post that in like June it's like Christmas is coming up a half a year from now get your orders in yeah. it's frustrating very much so it's depending on the jewelry manufacturer as well so some I mean I think we've ordered some pieces back in December last year that we're still waiting on and Oof. it's today September it's, it's just the nature of the beast you've got to understand that COVID's involved and we've got very understanding clients for the, for the most part mm-hmm. it's, um, it's been a nice thing um, but yeah, certain manufacturers are, are fantastic. We've got a really fast turnaround time, but they're not all the same. So mm. trying to build that to clients as well, trying to get them to understand. And it's funny, someone who's perhaps not used to how this, the um, the whole industry works, walking through your door, being able to purchase a piece of gold out of your cabinet right away and mm. not realizing that there's been a six month wait to get to that point to yeah. enable them to do that. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll come back in next week. Oh, can I have that same piece to match the other side? Yes, you can. Let me put it in the order book yeah. for you. By the way, there's a six-month wait. You'll have it next year. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's interesting just trying to get people to understand that. It's that immediate reward. Mm. Um, a lot of work goes into providing these pieces, and the majority of people do understand it, but it's just educating people and well, managing I, expectations. I think there is, there's some overlap when it, co- when it goes back to that troubleshooting kind of thing, because mm. if people contact you, email, come in for an appointment, whatever, and they have a problem, I think a lot of them expect a quick fix. Like, mm-hmm. I want to put this miracle drop on, it, and then tomorrow I'm going to wake up and my piercing is going to be perfect. So how do you give people that realistic expectation where like maybe they miss a downsize and now their helix is like massively angled and has those those lumps on it and getting them to understand that like, well, it took weeks or months for this problem to start and it might take weeks or months for the problem to, to resolve. So how do you talk to them about stuff like that? Sure. I mean, I always, I'm a firm believer in prevention is better than cure and trying to sort of always harper on to, to my guys, like make sure explaining to people how important aftercare is, downsize window is and all the rest of it. Should it happen, it's a case of not scolding somebody, maybe they're on holiday day or maybe someone was sick and they they just didn't get lucky I mean I'm super prone to fluid bumps myself mm-hmm. um, it was quite nice as part of um, my course this time to be able to show a picture of my own antitragus which was beautifully pierced mm-hmm. um, I was really really chuffed with it I was dead smug because I downsized it at the right time and I thought it had healed and it was great and I put a ring in it and two weeks later I had the most impressive fluid bump you've mm-hmm. ever seen wasn't fully settled it must not have been you weren't to know any better yeah and it's this can happen to absolutely anybody it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that somebody's done something wrong it's more a case of understanding right what do we do to mitigate it now it's not going to be an overnight fix you'll read a load of things on the internet that suggest oh i'll put tea tree oil on it that'll that'll fix it mm-hmm. trying to explain to somebody that actually you're, you're inducing a chemical burn there and understand the science behind it the long-term issue with mm-hmm. why that's only a an immediate sort of quick fix as you look at it but it's not going to help anything in the very long run it's going to mm-hmm. make it worse in the long run 
Um, a lot of people are really understanding as long as you take the time to explain it to them. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're um, lording it over them, I suppose, or like telling them off in any way, shape or yeah. form. It's just, this is how we fix it. This is why educating people is, it's always worth that bit of extra time. Mm -hmm. So um, in case of my piercing, it would be great to be able to show someone, look, I've put, put this disc on my own thing with a long piece of jewelry in it that's just enough to gently compress it. I then compressed it and it's important to then again downsize it. It doesn't necessarily mean there's a one-stop shop to fixing mm. it in this one meeting. Let's yeah. get you back in for um, for another another chat, another downsize and a checkup. And yeah. it's nice to have that sort of duty of care to somebody to show that we're not just interested in taking your money when you initially walk through the door to, to have a, an expensive piercing. It's like, I want this to be healed, I want this to be perfect mm -hmm. because this is all part of your journey. Sure. And ultimately we're very lucky to be in a position to allow people to be who they want to be. Um, and we earn a living from that, isn't it? A, mm -hmm. An amazing thing. So we definitely want to look after them at the end as well, you know? Yeah, and it's also in a way, you know, it's your reputation out there walking around and if someone looks at a piercing, they're like, oh, who did that? Yeah. You know? Or if they're like, oh, I love that, who did that? It's yeah. like, you know, which which reaction do you want to have your name attached to, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a, a trick that I've been trying to utilize lately, I picked it up from uh, a West Coast piercer named, named Kellen Smith, is, um, kind of doing photo documentation with their phone. I think sometimes piercers will take a picture of a problem so that they can, you know, put it in their file for like a, you know, a class or an example for somebody else. But what I like to do now is if somebody has a problem, an angle or something like that, a bump, uh, oh, can I see your phone? I'm gonna take a photo of it. You know, once a week, once a month, whatever. I want you to recreate this photo and email it along to me and that we can kind of see if there's been any sort of gradual difference and that really helps to, to drive it home to the person where they can look at it and be like, oh yeah, I can actually see progress and see it getting better, see it getting worse, whatever, and have something they can compare it to right on their phone. That, that's been helping me a lot lately. No, I love that idea. Um, we do something similar, back to the prevention is better than cure sort of thing. Um, lovely Jenny actually, um, why did I not think of this myself? So trying to explain to somebody when they're downsize window is so difficult because it's completely unique to the wearer, mm -hmm. the location of the piercing, yeah. what their lifestyle is. When when should I come in for a downsize? Well, it's between this quite big variable. So what we've taken to doing based on Jenny's suggestion is taking a photo of the length on the bar with, mm. the, with the client's phone. Yep. And it's like, look at this piercing. So you zoom in on it, see all that length on the back of the bar. Seems a bit excessive, doesn't it, at this moment in time. But over the next sort of couple of days to a couple of weeks, all of a sudden you'll be like, oh no, that was necessary. Mm. And you'll fill that bar. But in a couple of weeks, couple of months, when suddenly you've got all this length on the bar again, that's your downsize window. So mm. keep an eye on it. You've got this photo now on your phone. Come on in for that downsize. We've seen a massive change in people coming in for that. And as a result, a lot less yeah. problems, lumps and bumps coming from that. That's really smart because if you tell someone like an arbitrary length of time, you tell them, well, you need to come in at six weeks, four weeks, three months, whatever. And then sometimes they come in at six weeks and, and it's like you've you've taken that time for an appointment, taken it out of your day, you can't make any sort of other income during that time and then they come in and you're like, oh, you're not ready for a downsize at all. Mm -hmm. There is no extra slack to downsize or it's just, it's so minimal that it's not even beneficial to downsize today. You maybe wait another two weeks or four weeks or whatever. A photo system like that is really smart. I might steal that idea. Yeah. Thanks, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you're seeing bumps, you know, the the cabochon trick, as Jeff Saunders likes to, to call it, you know, putting something in with like a, a large flat backing, a large flat uh, mm -hmm. front, you know, to kind of start to straighten it out, lightly compress a bump, not like crush the bump, just mm -hmm. lightly touch it, lightly compress it, educating them like, you, you know, you might need one additional downsize before your final piece, you know, giving them all that information is fantastic. Um, what are some of the other like common issues you see and what are some of the things that you might try to steer them towards for either prevention or troubleshooting information? So sure, I mean, um, for us initially, it's understanding what jewelry you're gonna use initially. So a lot of our customers would love to have a ring. Mm -hmm. We will allow that for certain for certain piercings, there's no problem with that. Um, for others, the excess mechanical movement of a ring by comparison to a bar is a bit not a very good idea. Mm -hmm. Perfect example for that would be a conch. The size of the ring that you'd need to use would just be huge. Like therefore. a 16 mil or something? Yeah, it'd be yeah. Right. and you're going to crush it, you're going to sleep on it, you're going to bump it and knock it and just generally moving your head, the amount of movement you're going to get on that. It's just, it's just asking for trouble. So uh, in our studio, we would never use, never pierce a conch with a ring, for example. And explaining that to a customer, nine times out of ten, they're quite understanding and happy about that. So mm -hmm. let's get you something cute to have in there that's going to work initially. Let it settle down. Once it's healed, change it to a ring. Yeah. Um, most of the time, they'll be quite happy with that. Um, 
the if you're going to have something that you're going to have to have you know a good swell on there you're going to have to have quite a long bar so a good example of that would be a snug or an anti-tragus where you've got a really long curved bar mm -hmm. and uh, very necessary especially in my case i'm a really good sweller um but yeah downsizing that at the right time and just just understanding that yeah um what's your opinion on nostrils with rings Ooh, we will do them after having this very big talk with them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's okay, so we're adults, we're human beings, and it's okay, so if, if you really want a ring, that's fine, but understand, you've got to allow room for swelling. Yeah, you've you're not to, gonna get that tight ring look. You're not gonna have a teeny tiny, skinny little snug fitting ring, and as soon as you mention that to somebody who's got that dream in their mind, mm -hmm. actually you're gonna have something quite sturdy and very different to the aesthetic that you've got in mind. Actually, will I be happier with a little like stud or librette? Mm -hmm. Yes, I probably would be. And again, it's just educating people and, and being comfortable and honest with them. Yeah. I find that sometimes if it's if it's a day where there are lots of nostrils booked in and mm -hmm. I've already had that same conversation with people two or three times, those first two or three, I'll be so eloquent. I'll be like, well, you know, here are the issues you want to think about. And this is why I think, you know, post-style jewelry is going to be better to give you what you want. Um, maybe some, day, some days where it's like, well, okay, I'm on the, the sixth or seventh iteration of that same conversation. I'm like, we don't start them with rings. They don't heal well with rings. <laughs> You, you kind of you do a disservice to the client because they leave without that information of why you've made that choice or why you've given them that limitation or something. And then maybe those are the people where a month into it, they buy a ring off of Etsy or Amazon or whatever and just cram it in the piercing and then they come in with an issue. I see that pretty often. I, I troubleshoot that pretty often with um, other studios that were like, they don't bother giving the people the... I can't really start with that tight diameter, so I'm going to give you something a bit larger if you insist on a ring. They're just like, yeah, sure, I'll just pierce you with a tiny little thing. Then they come to me and they're like, fix it, you know, like what's wrong mm -hmm. with it? And then I, I find that having the conversation after the fact is, is almost more difficult. And then you face these other challenges like, well, now it's a lot tougher to give you that perfectly healthy, beautiful piercing that you can wear a tight ring in. So how do you how do you deal with situations like that where maybe somebody's got a, a, a ring in something too early or too tight of a ring too early? Um, again, it's, it's, all, it's all just down to educating your client and you, you feel terrible if it's come from your studio if you've, as you say, if you've reached that point where in the day you just, you just think you've had this conversation perhaps with somebody and actually you really haven't given them all the information that they needed or perhaps they just didn't take in the, the particular points that you were trying to, mm -hmm. to guess at. Um, it's quite difficult sometimes to um, mitigate somebody's feelings when, hang on, I've bought this piece of jewellery that I really like, I want it to look cute and nice now, why can't it, you said, or somebody else that I went to said that this would be fine, why is it not? Mm -hmm. um, I, I often find as long as you're calm with somebody and you explain all of the reasons why it's happening, you, it's a shame because you should, you know, you should always be fresh and happy and bright and give them the full information at the start. Um, as you say, it doesn't always go that way. But when somebody comes in and they are perhaps, they're having a problem with something, at that point you can really give them that information and mm. explain why. Same with um, somebody who comes in, you know, with a child, like, why can't you person them without identification? I, you know, maybe it's their fault to not read what you put on the internet. Yeah. Um, but still, it's, it's explaining that it's there to protect their children. It's a, a, a cheeky kid. So you've got a 12-year-old who's like, this is my mum, just some stranger on the street, sure. sign your life away. I've it's had people try to, to come in with them. an aunt or a neighbour or something like that. Yeah. And it's like, I would love to be able to pierce you, but I can't. They're not your legal guardian. Yeah, and yeah. that's why the rules are there. Mm -hmm. But if you say to somebody, I just can't because you've not got ID, mm -hmm. immediately you're going to get someone's backup. And immediately yeah. you're not going to have happy people, especially if they've travelled and the kids are nervous or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but when you explain, this is for your safety, this is for your child's safety, it's so that this doesn't happen. Nine times out of ten people are calm and happy about it. Yeah. So just education is key. Yeah. How yeah. you speak to somebody. Mm -hmm. Bit of bedside manner. Yeah, uh, that's been one of the tougher things for me to, to learn through my career. A lot of my youth, I was like grumpy goth kid, <laughs> grumpy metal guy, whatever, you know, and it was just like, you know, it. I'm doing you the favor of piercing you in my studio. This is my experience and you're just part of it. You know, over time, trying to get what I would hope to be a, a bit more mature, understanding that it's it's their experience and I'm there to facilitate the best experience possible. Now I try to look at it as like, I want to give you all the information so that you understand why I'm making these choices or limitations for you instead of people just being like, well, I don't know why they won't do it the way that I want to do it. How, how can it be so difficult? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, just give them the information where they fully understand what your preferences are and, and why. That that makes a world of difference. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a lovely, it's a much nicer experience for them as well. It kind of gives them a bit more of an insight into our world. It's not just, it's not the piercing industry that you think that it is when, you, you know, when I was a kid, certainly mm -hmm. it's the case if I want my, want my ear pierced, you go and get a you know, horrible gum piercing and that's, you get one option for your stud and that is, that is just it. Mm -hmm. Actually, there's a lot more science 
behind it, understanding the anatomy, understanding why there's better ways to do things and showing someone that you know, we've put the time into learning and educating ourselves to get your experience the best so that you could have this end result that you like and you like the look of. Yeah. Um, and you can do it safely because you know you don't want free hepatitis with every person. <laughs> it's, um, and it's nice when you can educate a customer to, to that effect and let them in your world a little bit and, yeah. and they very much appreciate it too. Hmm. And obviously positive feedback cycle, repeat custom, all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, what are some other piercings that you would see like commonly coming up with with issues not to say where it's like all the time or something like that but what are some of the the more common troubleshooting like as an example um i i deal with nipple nipple issues sometimes people wearing maybe an excessively tight bra or wearing the same bra too many days in a row and they're just wearing something dirty over it you know pressure issues or changing jewelry too soon like what are some of the other like more common issues you might mention maybe in the class as an example sure i mean oddly enough we don't get many issues particularly with nipple piercings if they've been pierced correctly mm -hmm. and um and through the nipple itself the only time we tend to have an issue is if someone's come in that those areola piercings yeah we, we do yeah. see quite a few of those from 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 elsewhere mm -hmm. um coming in and and it's it's sad at that point to try and this is something that i do touch on in the class wherever possible we'll try and save a piercing yeah. so again if you're going to send somebody to a doctor like try and save the piercing because you don't want to repierce an otherwise perfectly acceptable piercing that's been well placed. Mm -hmm. You don't want to repierce through scar tissue. You don't. You don't want to damage tissue unnecessarily. Um, if someone's come in with a piercing done elsewhere that's been piercing the areola, you've got you've got no choice but to retire that. Yeah. Um, but you can sometimes have discussions with people if they say you've had an industrial piercing that perhaps that person was not anatomically suited to, mm -hmm. or the piercing wasn't perfect, and it's that lovely migration into the upper conch that you really don't want. Okay, well, do you have to retire the piercing or show them a picture of a helix, uh, sorry, an industrial piercing connected by two rings connected by a chain? And actually, that's a really pretty thing mm -hmm. that maybe you don't need to go through a repierce, especially if someone's maybe needle phobic or you know they've gone through this big scary thing once, they've gone somewhere else to have it done, and I really don't want to do this again. Please tell me this is okay. Yeah. It's like well okay strictly speaking it's maybe not it's not perfect however it could look like this mm -hmm. and it's lovely to be able to offer them um you know a, an upgrade that leaves them feeling really happy without having to go through another procedure or yeah. retire something and repurse it mm -hmm. um but yeah issues that we tend to see is almost always cartilage nine times out of ten we, we see some big issues with cartilage piercings we get some exciting lumps and bumps inside the mouth sometimes and um where the especially in medusa piercings or um filtering upper, upper lip piercings where um, it'll sort of sink in ever so slightly and people mm. really panic and think there's something terribly wrong with it and actually it's quite a normal natural thing that we yeah. all have and it's right yeah we can show everybody this mm -hmm. and it's, yeah. um, I just refer to it as nesting yes basically. that's the word I was looking for yeah it's um yeah it's, it's, no, it's no negative at all but be able to be able to reassure someone and that is really great um, sometimes you get interesting lumps and bumps and strange granulation tissue on tongue piercings and um, fixing by popping a cab on there or mm -hmm. suggesting something slightly different in terms of their jewelry use it's, it's lovely to see someone coming in dead nervous about something or like really upset that oh my god what's happened to my body something something's happening here mm -hmm. um, and to be able to offer a solution and be confident in, in what you want about it's it's nice to see and so many people have come to me with interesting lumps and bumps that they've seen um, lots of interesting surface piercings with uh, straight bars or curved bars that you'd expect to see and see tissue barreling, barreling. If the piercing is caught early enough and actually not placed that badly, sometimes you can get away with saving them with putting correct jewelry in there and it's lovely to be able to do that for someone. Mm -hmm. Uh, I haven't done an oral piercing since before all this mess started. So it's been, you know, a year and a half since I've done a lip or a, a tongue or even any services for them. Um, one of the, the issues that I see coming up, sometimes with, with philtrum piercing specifically, is you get that kind of like lumpy, bumpy, weird tissue on the inside specifically, mm -hmm. like under the disc. And a lot of times when I see problems like that pop up in like a in, an internet forum, people will constantly in the thread, it'll be like 15 different opinions on like, you know, put this chemical on it or do this or go to the hospital or this, that, whatever. And um, what I like to try to tell people is like, you know, okay, in my experience, uh, in, in my opinion, what I, what I think it is pretty often because I had it happen to me once is, you know, a little bit of plaque builds up on the inner surface of that disc and it kind of rubs and irritates the skin. So your body's gonna like give that kind of like granuloma type, like lumpy, gross tissue. Just take the jewelry out and brush it clean. Like, you know, you have to clean your teeth because otherwise they'll build plaque. Oral jewelry, same kind of thing. Unless you're buying jewelry from like a really high quality manufacturer that puts like a mirror shine on it, 
you're gonna get a little bit of plaque on that. So if people have that problem, sometimes it'll be like, well, let's try some new jewelry. Sometimes it's just like, let's just take out your existing jewelry and if it's high quality, just give it a brush with your toothbrush at home, rinse it off, put it back in, and then you'll probably notice within a few days there'll be a, a vast improvement, you know. Stuff like that I like to be able to help people with too rather than immediately going to what, what magical chemical can you put on it? Yeah, completely. Often it's the simplest fix and it's just correct fit. Or mm -hmm. sometimes um, you find that, you know, you can get those M&M style, the Brett Blacks rather than yeah. the really firm sort of square edge backs. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just finding what's just right for you or like maybe you need it a millimeter shorter. Mm -hmm. Or actually in your case, have you got a big cab on that you used to have something really small and dainty? If you've got something bigger, obviously we've got the, the curves in our filter and we'll, we'll pull the back in slightly more at the back and actually maybe you need that millimeter longer now mm -hmm. the littlest change on it especially yeah. in oral piercings can be everything right. and when you do get that hypergranulation kind of tissue in in an oral piercing it can look really frightening because it looks kind of firm and it looks just like you know lip tissue rather than an irritation bump that you might see in a mm -hmm. helix which is very obviously like uh, fleshy and it looks like it's something that that may go down like a spot mm -hmm. whereas in your mouth it's like oh god that looks really permanent like, or like a flap or something yeah it's like yeah. oh my god how am i going to get rid of this thing and the slightest change as you say or just even a clean can make all the difference mm -hmm. and it's just just don't panic yeah. like this this is something that can be fixed mm -hmm. <laughs> um a pet peeve of mine i don't know if you have the the same kind of interaction sometimes but some of like the you know the the local shops in my area they'll always make it like the customer's fault they'll always make it you know oh it's always this and they always give them such a vague answer um i'm sick to death of everything wrong in an ear being like oh well you slept on it you know, it's like, I understand that pressure can be a factor with some of these piercings, but it doesn't mean that every problem is because the client slept on it. And I think it's also a, a disservice for the client to not like really try to track it down and be like, well, it's maybe it is partially pressure, but it might also be, hey, you know, I see that you color your hair. Is it possible that you're maybe getting bleach on it or dye on it? Like, do you have to wear something over your ear or pressing on your ear? Hey, did you never, you know, understand what downsizing is? Have you never been told downsizing all that thing? So I like to um, I like to try to talk it through and if it's something that's maybe potentially caused by the studio of like, well, maybe we should have pierced you with something a bit longer or maybe a different kind of shaped attachment or something like that. I like to just be honest with people and be like, this is really what I think the factors are, but maybe it's more than one thing and let's try to get you closer to a resolution than like a shaming type thing. Yeah, I love this. So when sort of we, we were first able to pierce nostrils again after we were coming back after our lockdowns, we found a couple of, and we never used to get sort of a, a nostril come back in that, oh God, I need a longer post. And we were like, God, is this something that we've, is this something that we've done? And then you suddenly think, Ah, uh, masks. <laughs> it's such a daft thing that you mm. just you just didn't think about before. Yeah. So to be able to hold your hands up and be like, this is nothing that you've done wrong. Obviously, you go through the troubleshooting with a customer. Make sure you go through aftercare and that they're doing everything as you'd like them to do. But of course, they're going to knock it and bump it slightly more because they're wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. And yes, we'll give you a free upsize because we should have thought about that. And to hold your hands up and not show that you've done anything wrong in this situation, yeah. but you just need to adapt and yeah. and respect that times have changed or something else has happened. So we might see a microdermal on the face that's been long-term healed and there's nothing wrong with it at all. Why is, why is it now suddenly going grumpy? And to explain with somebody, any chance you could have got some foundation or perfume in it mm -hmm. that is now had a slight reaction because you can't clean underneath that disc very easily. Yeah. So you've had a slight allergic response to that. And it's not a customer's fault. It's just a case of, you just wouldn't have thought of it. Let's hot compress it, let's get that out and, right. and feel better. Mm -hmm. But anyone who would place blame on a client, you're doing the customer a service and it's quite unprofessional in my opinion because yeah. at the end of the day, we're, yeah, we're being paid to do this but we are putting a foreign body in somebody so mm -hmm. it's our responsibility to understand all of the ins and outs of what could be going on with that or accepting that we're not perfect and um, we can always learn something and be grateful for clients to come back to us and, and saying, I've got this problem. Like, Instead of going to the you seen competitor this? or something exactly. and being like, oh, they screwed my piercing up. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I say this to all of us, if we get a new member of staff in, I need somebody to have the confidence or the balls to say to me, this came back in and this wasn't perfect or this customer had this problem. Because mm -hmm. I want to know, was this something I could do better? Was this something that a customer did that I've not thought about before that could potentially be an issue with other customers that I need to warn other people about? Mm -hmm. there's, a no, there's a myriad of reasons why something might not be perfect and I need to know about it. I want yeah. to know about it. I've, I've not got enough of an ego to think that I'm absolutely perfect all of the time and I want to, I want to know about it. Mm -hmm. How can we be better? Right. General policy that I like to encourage in my studio is like, all right, 
let's be honest and it's like if it's something where we could have maybe done a better job maybe we just selected something that's just a hair too short or something like that and then a week later two weeks later somebody's like oh you know it feels a bit tight it feels a little bit irritated and it's like you know that it's like well one mil extra length two mil extra length would have been no problem it's like okay we're just going to take care of it for you come in we're just going to give you that longer post if you need it if it's one of those things where maybe we get a little bit too tempted with an end piece that's like pretty good but maybe not completely ideal and then it turns out well it's a bit harder to heal the piercing than the person would want be like okay maybe we'll give you a discount maybe we'll just give you another replacement for a while until you get over the hump and then we can put your nice attachment back on it it is important to be honest about that and i know that customers are going to appreciate that they're going to say like you know oh yeah this person took care of me i spent money there and they want to make sure that i have a good experience and good healing instead of like too bad, so sad. Give me more money to fix it, kind of a thing. I don't, I don't like dealing with people like that. Yeah, not at all. Especially when you know someone's put their trust in you. It's their body, and they're yeah. trusting you to adorn them how they would like. Mm-hmm. And be honest. Don't get me wrong. People will be pushy because they want, they want this perfect end result right now. And what do you mean I'm going to swell? What do you mean I've yeah. got to wait until it's healed? Yeah. Uh, and sometimes there is some. You know, we can meet them in the middle. Sometimes, like you can have this gorgeous piece right now. You've got to have a longer bar and come in for a downsize, but you can still have that fancy end. Mm-hmm. And the industry's changed so much over the last ten or twenty years to be able to do that. It's fantastic. Yeah. It does mean that, okay, maybe I've got something that's a little bit um, shape-wise, perhaps not that ideal. And you do push the boat out sometimes, and we're all just learning. Mm-hmm. And as long as we educate ourselves and like, oh, maybe that didn't go too perfectly last time. Maybe I'll just warn this next person mm-hmm. or um, perhaps leave that one just for heal things. It's. Uh, I also find that um, giving people as much information as you can before the piercing or before you get to a point where you charge them is really important because those piercings where you know they're going to need a downsize for a conch or a you know, or whatever. Um, if you let them go through the whole process, they've already paid and then in the aftercare they're like, oh and by the way, you're going to need to come back in a couple of weeks to buy more jewelry. They're kind of mm-hmm. like, what? You know, <laughs> uh, but if you tell them like, you know, I'm giving you extra length because of keep in mind that as it heals, you'll need shorter jewelry because of it usually costs about this much. It's relatively inexpensive. The expensive attachment, the adornment on the front, that can just be transferred right over to that. So your your you know your downsize cost is only going to be. 15 pounds, 30 pounds, whatever it is, um, they, they appreciate that too. It's not a surprise like, oh, I have to come back and spend more money in a few weeks. Absolutely. We do, if someone was pissed with us, we do half price downsizes. So we effectively make nothing or very little on our downsize mm. posts when they come in. But it's just because I want this to heal perfectly and I right. want this to look good. You spend a lot of money with us. It's, it's not about this massive blatant profiteering. And I think people do feel quite like you're being a bit tight sometimes when mm. it's like what i have to spend more i have to spend again so when you offer them a discount on um on coming back for that thing that's just going to benefit them yeah. a lot of people really do appreciate that yeah yeah and it retains clients too you know like they sure. they, they know that you're going to take care of them mm-hmm. uh so that's really all that's that's on my mind is there anything else that you'd like to bring up from you know either your class your studio <laughs> experience or your uh, conference experience honestly this has been really lovely it's just been a nice chat about stuff that i'm really a fan of so yeah. thank you very much <laughs> yeah it's nice i like to make it easy um so one more time for the people listening um what's your information studio information social media information mm-hmm. so it's helen houghton at holier than thou in manchester uk and it's holier than thou manchester all one word on instagram okay great well thanks thank for you. talking to me thank you very much all right thanks for talking to me helen always appreciate a good conversation about troubleshooting with another piercer for uh, online curriculum, I was thinking about doing another Bevel Theory seminar sometime around November, but I'm just a little overextended right now. I don't want to melt my brain any more than I already am, so I'm going to hold off on that until probably after Christmas. But if you're hungry for online education, don't forget about the APP's 2021 online curriculum. They have a new suite of classes uh, all about core essentials, a lot of really important safety information, information for any experience level. So if you're a prospective piercer, counterperson, apprentice, baby piercer, five years into it, 20-year veteran, there's going to be great information for you on there. So go ahead and check that out. Safepiercing.org has all the info. Uh, I'm going to be back next week with another episode for you, but don't forget, I've also got that new narrated and subtitled piercing video all about bridge piercings online for you at patreon.com slash ryanpba, and I'll see you next week. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. 
music by Benny B. Blanco, show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts LLC, all rights reserved.